0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to Stony Brook Church. It is a happy day to be able to worship um, our awesome God together in spirit and in truth. We are so glad to have you join us for worship, both online and here in person. I'm the new associate pastor, Pastor Clara Kwan, and I bring you greetings on behalf of our entire staff, including our preacher for this morning, uh, Pastor David Hoffman, And so as we begin our time together, I would like uh, to invite you all to check in with us and to record your attendance. Uh, You can do that by filling out the connection card, which is in your bulletins. Um, If you're online, uh, the online host will post that, um, and you can fill out the online connection card as well. On your connection card, you can also fill in your uh, prayer requests, and we'd love to be able to pray for you in that way. And just a few announcements. Uh, the new home, a reminder of the New Home Project, uh, which supports returning citizens whose lives have been impacted by incarceration. Um, we still have a few more items that are uh, that are needed. And so if you'd like to check that out online um, at stonybrook.church slash new home project. You could also call the church office and see what is left. Um, and so if you could bring those items to the church. We are also collecting school supplies um, in partnership with GRIN. We are specifically collecting uh, binder dividers, eight-count wide markers, glue sticks, wide-ruled loose-leaf paper, and two-pocket folders. Um, And so those drop-off boxes are out here in the Narthex, um, and the last day for that is July 31st. SBR Youth students will be meeting at Westerville Golf Center for mini golf on July 10th from 4 to 6. Uh, Drop off and pick off will be at the golf center, and if you have questions, uh, please call the church or email Jason. You can find these and many more announcements about the life and ministry of Stony Brook um, in this morning's bulletin. And now let us prepare our hearts and minds and enter into a posture of worship with this inspirational prelude. I invite you to stand as you are able, and with one spirit, join in the call to worship. The world cries to us in its distress. How shall we answer? We cannot pass by as though nothing is wrong. How shall we answer? We cannot become so focused on ourselves that others need nothing to us. How shall we answer? Jesus' holy name. Amen. And let us continue our worship by singing our opening hymn, hymn 170, Oh How I Love Jesus. be seated. Let us pray. O God who sees and hears, you were named thus by Hagar, Sarah's servant, an immigrant and a foreigner, a stranger in a strange land. You saw her and heard her cries, and so we cry out to you this morning, trusting in your word that you see and hear us. You hear even those voices that are drowned out and suppressed because they are from over there. There are many voices that cry out in need, in need to be heard, in need to be healed, in need to be comforted, in need to be encouraged and inspired. And so we cry out and we listen. We listen for your words, so speak. Just as you spoke light into the chaos, speak peace into our storms, for you are God above the storm, the God who sees all. Strengthen our faith, be our anchor and the solid rock on which we stand, for when we are held steady in your hands, then we can lend a steadying hand to others. And as you speak, may your voice be amplified within us and through us that your words of grace, love, and compassion would reverberate within our souls. Let it echo again and again and again until we cannot but help to speak out the same words of grace, love, and compassion to all those around us, especially the foreigner and the stranger. Speak your words of life and promise through your servant, Pastor David. Surround him in your spirit this morning, keeping him straight in your paths of righteousness, May he boldly proclaim grace in your name, because in your name is salvation and restoration. Call us to eternal life as we obey your call to discipleship. And as your disciples, we pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now I'd like to invite the ASP team up so that we might bless them as they head out this week.
1: Hello, Stony Brook. My name is Jason Sheldon, Director of Youth Ministries here at at Stony Brook. As our team is coming forward, uh, I'd like to uh, highlight the insert in your bulletin for our ASP blessing. Uh, On it, you will find a list of all of our names of everyone that is going um, to be in prayer for. Um, this year is the 46th year that Stony Brook has served with ASP. We will be traveling to Harlan, Kentucky. We are leaving next Sunday, early, early, early next Sunday morning. So uh, we ask that you uh, join us in prayer. Uh, at the end of the service, the team will be passing out prayer dots. So you can put those on your phones or on your watches, somewhere that you see uh, every day, and then you can be reminded to be in prayer for everyone on ASP. On, on that list, not only is it the members of uh, Stony Brook serving on ASP, but we also do highlight Stephen Shoup, who is serving on uh, ASP staff this summer in Nicholas, uh, West, Nicholas County, West Virginia. So uh, be in prayer for everyone.
2: Jason, I think we had more folks from the team at the 8 o'clock service. <laughs> <laughs> They're just getting ready for
1: that early. early Absolutely. Morning. Absolutely.
2: Friends, I invite us to turn into the insert um, as we bless our team. Holy God, vine of life, in your branches we are resting, taking shelter, and being nourished in the strength of your
3: love. I us to listen carefully to
0: Help all of us cultivate our lives to grow as the hands and feet of Christ, reaching out in love and service. May we accept others right where they are, just the way they are.
1: Bless our planning and preparations for our week of service with ASB.
2: gracious God, we thank you for those who are serving on our behalf. Bless them as they share your peace, love, acceptance, and joy with others. Help us us not to take for granted granted the gift it is to share your good good news with with our neighbors and the world. Help us have eyes to see the needs all around us and respond respond to to those those needs. needs. Thank Thank you for for the the opportunity opportunity to serve you and and care for others. Let us show appreciation for their service. Thank you for your gift of music, Um, the first line of that great hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Thank you for reminding us of that that important hymn of our faith. Friends, uh, this morning's gospel lesson comes to us from the 10th chapter of the gospel of Luke, verses 25 through 37. I invite us to hear these words. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Friends, this is the word of God for all of God's children. Thanks be to God. Let us now sing in response together. Let us pray. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this day. Amen. Now, unfortunately, it is usually the lawyers and those who are testing Jesus that typically end up getting the brunt of the blame in texts like this morning's gospel. I, however, don't believe they always deserve all of the judgment and the negative reputation that they receive. At least they are actively engaging in dialogue with Jesus. The lawyer stood up and asked a honest question, wanting to know the meaning and the purpose of life and our faith journey. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It is a good question. And questions like these were not uncommon and were openly debated and argued among the religious elite and the educated of that time. It was a great question and it deserved an answer. And by the the end of their time together, his question was answered. However, the lawyers and the religious establishment of Jesus' day were, were seen with more than just a little suspicion, and often made good scapegoats for the crowd's apathy and inaction. Usually because of their role, the finger of blame or focus of the text was pointed directly at the attorneys and the educated instead of realizing, as the saying goes, there are always three fingers pointing back at us when we choose to point the finger at others. So I I have to wonder, what if this morning's text is more about convicting the listeners and the hearers of the text than those wishing to entrap Jesus? That's not much of a, a twist or a turn to imagine how the hearers and the insiders could have rationalized and construed this parable to their own benefit. We, too, like to listen to a a difficult and and a challenging text as long as it's directed at someone else and doesn't apply to us. It's like the woman greeting the pastor after church one Sunday. That was a great sermon on, on forgiveness and grace, she remarked. I just hope that he heard it. We often pick and choose which Scripture's really apply to us. Now, the possible meanings in this morning's text, this well-known text, are are numerous, and they are intricately woven. It is a parable, after all, and not a history lesson. However, we have heard this this story preached and taught, even legislated and witnessed examples of this text lived out in in society. We've, We've heard it so much that we often miss the complexity of the text. There, I say we we choose not to take this text too seriously. And I would guess that the first century hearers and insiders were really no different than us. I would suspect that there were at least three ways that the first century hearers and insiders could have interpreted this morning's text and then disregarded, disregarded it as, as allowing them to direct the message away from themselves and, and on to someone else. First, they could have further demonized and ostracized the Samaritans. This was common in that time, and who could blame them? The, Sarah, the Samaritans were outsiders. Jews and Samaritans were not supposed to get along. and the Samaritans were only half Jewish. Those hearing the parable could easily look right past the Samaritans' heroic actions of caring for the man lying beside the road and find ways to criticize and complain about his behavior. Or the listeners and insiders could have pointed to the irrational actions of the man lying in the ditch at the side of the road, blaming the victim. Those actions that that led him there to that side of the road in the first place. He should have planned better. Or he should have not been traveling in such a dangerous territory or traveling alone. Or even his actions made himself dependent upon others. Or he should have known better. You know, all of those statements that that we make to blame the victim and make us feel better about ourselves and feel safer about our surroundings, words that we use to try to make the existence of violence and tragedy more rational and under our own control. Nothing, of course, is mentioned about those who beat up the man in the first place. Or the listeners and insiders could have even justified the behavior of the priest and the Levite who passed by on the other side of the road. You know, I mean, they they were busy people, right? (laughs) After all, they were desperate to remain ritually clean and, and not be detained or detoured from their temple responsibilities. They were preoccupied and did not want to go out Of their way. You see, the first century hearers could cross all of the characters one by one off of their list until there was nothing more to learn in this parable. They could have disregarded and written off every potential lesson in the parable by convincing themselves that they were somehow better than all of the characters. In in their own minds, they they might even have been trying to convince themselves that if they were confronted by the same situation, they would have acted much differently and made better decisions. Although they could probably relate to almost everyone in the parable at some level, I'm not sure which example they would resemble the most or seek to follow. But what if, what if this parable is not just their parable, but also our parable? And we're put under the same microscope that we actually begin to take this parable seriously? Would our selective care and treatment of others be so obvious? Would the ways in which we selectively value the lives of others fall under the same scrutiny? What if this involved any situation or group or marginalized sect in our own community or in our country or in the world? Would we pass by? Would we remain preoccupied with our own day-to-day and not even notice? Would we stand in judgment of our own inaction? What questions would, would we ask if we had the opportunity to confront Jesus Well, the lawyer did that day, and he asked Jesus who was his neighbor, and we might ask the same question, just who is our neighbor anyway? It's a question that we might ponder all the time. Adam Hamilton says this, that what the questioner in asking the question was really asking was who don't I have to love? He was saying, okay, I hear you, Jesus, love my neighbor as myself, but, but really, who is my neighbor? Does that mean everybody? Surely there is a, a limit to who I have to love, right? I mean, I don't have to love everyone. An experiment was conducted with seminary students who should have known better. Researchers gathered a group of seminary students in a classroom and told them that, each had an ass- that they each had an assignment, and their assignment was to record a presentation about the parable of the Good Samaritan. The thing was, the recordings were do- going to be done in a building on the other side of campus, and because of a, a tight schedule, they needed to hurry to that building, Now, unbeknownst to the students on the path to the other building, the researchers had planted an actor to play the part of a man in distress, slumping in an alley, coughing and suffering. The students were going to make a presentation about the Good Samaritan. But what would happen, the researchers wondered, when they actually encountered someone in need? Would they stop and help? Well, as a matter of fact, they didn't. (laughs) Almost all of them rushed past the hurting man. One student even stepped over the man's body as he hurried to teach about the parable of the Good Samaritan. (laughs) You see, knowing the right thing to do and doing it are two different things. Just because we know the right thing to do doesn't mean we do it. Going and doing takes more than a nice moral story, it takes practice. We must allow ourselves to be transformed on the inside. We can't be the church God calls us to be without a changed heart. Robert Worthnow, a a Princeton University professor, once researched why some people are generous and compassionate while others are not. And he found out in his research that for many compassionate people, something had happened to them in their life. Someone had acted with compassion toward them and this experience had transformed their life. Worthnow tells the story of Jack Casey He writes, when he was a child, he writes about a story that changed his life, that changed his heart. Jack was having surgery one day, and he was very frightened. He remembers the surgical nurse standing there and compassionately reassuring him, don't worry. She said to Jack, I'll be right here beside you no matter what happens. And when Jack woke up, She was true to her word and still there. Well, years later, Jack Casey, now a paramedic, was sent to the scene of an accident. A man was pinned upside down in his pickup truck, and as Jack was trying to get him out of the wreckage, gasoline was dripping down on both of them. The rescuers were using power tools to cut the metal so one spark could have caused everything to go up into flames. The driver was frightened, crying out how scared he was of dying, and Jack remembered what had happened to him long ago on the operating table, how that nurse had spoken tenderly to him and stayed with him, and he said he did the same thing for the truck driver. Look, don't worry, he said, I am right here with you. I'm not going anywhere. When I said that, Jack remembered later I was reminded how that nurse had said the same thing and she never left me. Well, days later that rescued truck driver said to Jack, you know, you were crazy. <laughs> the thing could have exploded and we'd both been burnt up. I just couldn't leave you, Jack said. Tom Long suggests that we. You and I are the ones in the ditch. We are wounded and we are helpless. We are the ones who need to be rescued and saved. And guess what? A despised, rejected figure comes to save us. And he picks us up and he tends our wounds. He heals us and puts us back on our feet. And that experience... That experience changes us. It changes our hearts. It changes our lives. It changes the way that we see and that we treat one another. Long notes that the question of this parable is not simply who is my neighbor or will I be a neighbor to someone else? The question is who has been a neighbor to me. And if, if we have experienced their their compassion, their love, their grace, their forgiveness, we, you and I, will be able to go and do likewise. May it be so. Amen.
0: go and do likewise. May we also give of our time and our attention, um, and may we also give of our gifts and resources. And so as we enter into this time of offering, I'd also like to thank everyone who attended and helped at Boom at the Brook. Uh, We were collecting donations for ASP um, with the food, and in the end, we collected just under $400, which will help out a lot in paying for part of the gas for the trip. So thank you all for your generosity. And now as we enter into this time of giving, our offering is a sign of thanksgiving for all that God has blessed us with. Our offering is also a sign of our trust that God will continue to provide us with all that we may need. I invite the ushers to wait upon us as we give our gifts and tithes this day. We ask that you would expand our vision to see all that is around us and not just what's right in front of us. We ask that the gifts we offer you this day would be dedicated in bringing your kingdom of love, justice, and compassion into being in our midst. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: that we seek. And that takes practice. Go and look for Christ and all that you meet today and be that, that, that peace, that word, that word of encouragement, that word of strength, that word of patience that someone else needs. Go forth in God's care, knowing that God goes with you. Amen.